listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt. Episode 64, covering Conspiracy and the Neutral Zone with Adrian Bachnivsky. Hello, friends. Uh, important announcement. Matt is apparently dead or dying or something. I don't know. We had a guest scheduled this week anyway, so uh, Adrian's here. Um, no pressure. No, none none whatsoever. But fortunately, that means I don't have to do this alone, thank goodness. Get well soon, Matt, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess he's not actually dead is the thing, or maybe he is. I don't know. We'll, we'll leave it open. But uh, Adrian's here to help me uh, send off season one, which... <laughs> Thank Christ, we're at the end of season one. Yes, and um, well, don't don't say that because we have to quickly go into the child. Yeah, that's true. Although <laughs> I, I don't have the episode list in front of me, but I feel like the, there's the child, and then there's a good one. But uh, Elementary Dear Data is there. Really you go. Quick. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, that's what it is. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. So, but I mean, season two has some has some great ones. Unfortunately, we're not quite there yet. So uh, the the first one we have is what I felt like should have been the season finale, but isn't uh, Conspiracy. You want to tell the good people about that one? Yeah, I'm going to apologize for my length, guys. It's a little long, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. So, An unusual opening, Riker gives a start date, and after Geordi data pleasantries, which mom and dad, uh, Riker Troy, find whimsical, Riker reiterates the mission of going to the planet Pacifica. Yes, really. He receives a code 47 for Picard, where big, serious-eyes Walker says that the Federation's greatest fears are being realized. We'll only talk to Picard in person. Picard redirects and refuses to give Pacifica er, specific orders. Why? <laughs> Netflix B, uh, Dead Planet, apparently in this quadrant is a blockbuster area, uh, but Picard beams down to a mine shaft on planet Hell yet again. To find Abe Sapien's dad, Frank Sapien, one of the members of the Rhythm Nation, and an incredibly paranoid Walker. After naming Walker's mom's maiden name, they name off a bunch of names of dead people that apparently we're supposed to find shocking, even though the audience has no clue who these people are. And Walker is discussing the possibility of a conspiracy. And we have a title. After being told not to tell this information to anyone, Picard immediately tells Deanna's cleavage and, and, and her come-and-go accent. Picard has data, access computer. Was that an owl on there? And the ship picks up a disturbance, which annoys Riker, who wants to get to Pacifica. There's a fireworks factory on it, and it's the Horatio Fellatio, Walker's ship. Dun, dun, dun! Data continues searching for info, annoying the shit out of his best friend, the ship's computer, and he confirms the possible plot within the Federation. Continuing to follow Walker's orders of subtlety and subterfuge, Picard decides to tell the whole ship and return to Earth to ask the Federation what's going on. Pretty sneaky move, sis. Starfleet Command contacts the Enterprise, and a bunch of old white dudes, big surprise, question Picard's lack of Pacifica love, to which Niles interrupts the meeting. Remember Niles from earlier? I think it was coming of age or something like that? Mm -hmm. The (laughs) rear admiral wants to meet with Picard and brings his bug collection with him, which must be completely innocent and not at all suspicious. Picard senses something is up and goes to meet with the Admiral Niles, along with her sweet space posters that that their mom bought them for their (laughs) 10th birthday. Riker gets into a fight with an old man, and one sweet roundhouse slash jump kick later, Riker is subdued, and the security team uh, compromised of solely LaForge and Worf, because that's the way security's always been run, who says it hasn't been, (laughs) rushed to help, and Geordi is thrown through a metal compartment door like it's made of wood. 
Worf is beaten. Surprise! But Beverly Crusher from out of nowhere does the first useful thing all season and phasers Quinn. Crusher finds a parasite and Picard eats grubs for dinner because he's just a pledge. Riker appears having been brainwashed. And so does, well, not really brainwashed, excuse me, parasitically taken over. And so does that trick from earlier. And they both eat grubworms until Riker turns out to be just fine. And we find the mastermind behind all of this, Niles, who is also apparently Ray Harryhausen. <laughs> then a bunch of weird shit happens uh, that would felt more at home in a Nightmare on Elm Street film or Hell- Hellraiser. And the day is saved. Data explains that the beacon is sent out to an unknown planet and that the threat of these parasites is only beginning. Only it's not because we never see them again. Something, something, triple at all. <laughs> I feel like we've really fallen behind on our triple at all puns, so I'm glad you at least gave that a, a half-hearted effort. Yes. I, uh, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't dislike this one. This probably is my favorite episode of season one, I would say. Um, a, lot of, a lot of cool mystery stuff. It's darker than their typical <laughs> thing. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah, well, I'll go to my good thing, bad thing, because it explains exactly how I feel about it. Okay, go ahead. Which is, um, good thing, it's initially a good idea. I love the idea of an actual conspiracy within the Federation, because like a conspiracy means it's that people are actually plotting against the Federation for the first time, and there is some sort of internal argument going on. And I think that the idea of that actually happening is awesome. Sure. Until... If Matt were were here, he would say he loves politics and Star Star Trek, and uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, may he rest in peace. <laughs> Until we get to the resolution and well, part of, and the decomposition of Niles at the end. But really, the idea that it's just not a conspiracy but an invasion, which I think weakens the argument overall. Yeah, and and you were telling me um, Memory Alpha was saying that uh, originally it was supposed to be a conspiracy, and Gene said, "Oh no, 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 nobody in Starfleet, none of the actual humans would would dare do anything evil. It would have yeah, to be an alien not- invasion." You know, it was a, it was supposed to be based. Somebody wanted to write a story based around the Iran Contra mm. and have have actual human, uh, not human, but just people of the Federation undermine the Prime Directive. Sure. And Gene, uh, as a quote, Gene Roddenberry vehemently opposed such an idea, of course since he, he believed Starfleet would never stoop to such methods. There was just no way Torme could get away with suggesting that the Federation was anything less than a perfect government. <sighs> Thus, the alien angle was introduced at its insistence. God damn it. And see, the thing is, I don't even mind the uh, the whole, like, alien invasion, you know, like, uh, body snatchers. People right. aren't who they appear to be. Like, they do that to great effect in Deep Space Nine with the, um, with the changelings. Like, the whole, the guy you're answering to might actually be an enemy agent and not who you think he is. And, they, you know, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, they... And, and well, plus, it's all gone at the end. Everything's over and it never, <laughs> they never show up again. No, yeah, and you know, the, it, apparently, and this is just gathering from what I'm reading, like because they weren't allowed to do this actual conspiracy, mm-hmm. uh, they were allowed to do the more violent stuff because they fought for that. They're like, well, we can't do this, so we're going to fight for at least what we have. Yeah, and I, I actually didn't hate that uh, that gory stuff at the end. It felt really out of place in Star Trek, which is what I liked. It was like, whoa, I did not see that guy's head exploding coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool it did not work for me at all i, I mean the effect wasn't great i'll give you that but it just felt goofy it, it felt goofy i i the the guy's chest bursting open after that and the it alien looked, inside you know, that it I looked liked. better than our best friend oh miss last week but <laughs> it, it, it still was kind of silly i it didn't bother me and some of the ray harryhausen stuff as you say the first couple of shots of that bug were okay and then it seems like they, I don't know, ran out of budget or ran out of time, and they suddenly start stopped doing it in such detail 
and suddenly yeah. it was a lot jumpier in those those last couple of shots, and it looked like more like Gumby. Yeah, not quite so good. Um, so my good thing was I, as I said, I think this is the best episode of season one by far. Uh, it's paced well, mostly decent effects, and a lot darker than anything they've done so far. Um, that was one of the things season one and. All our guests have pointed this out, too. Most of the episodes are just painfully paced, and it doesn't bother me as much as some other people, but a lot of people just say it's boring and slow, and I, I could totally see that. This one just kept going. It took you from place to place, and things kept escalating, and they kept getting, you know, like the the what's at stake got bigger at each act, yeah. and it was, you know, it was constructed very well until that, that ending where it just turned into this pulp thing where the, the main bad guy turns around in his evil throne and says, you've discovered my plan. Just, uh. <laughs> yeah. But um, as, as it is cool that Riker and you, uh, and you comment on it, Riker and Picard are just standing there and they just sort of look at each other and then shoot him. Yes. Yeah, you pointed out of, it's a pulp, which is kind pulp of fiction moment. They look at each other and then look at him and then just, phew, yep. Plus it's so rare. We've pointed this out. I think the one other time it happened, that Picard and Riker together get to kick ass together, which I always like. It's Kirk and Spock it got to rare. do it all the time, but Picard and Riker hardly ever do. Yeah. Um, and my bad thing was, uh, this isn't the episode's fault exactly, but the limitations of a done in one episode mean that this incredible threat pretty much pops into existence and then out of existence inside of an hour. I mean, they did lay some groundwork a couple of weeks back, but it should have been a much bigger story with bigger implications. But you know, audiences hate stories that last more than a single episode because modern TV clearly proves that i don't know if it's because they were afraid because of the syndication to do it or that was just not part of the show but i don't know i mean like even the fact that they that there is some tying to coming of age i think that you know made it feel better it did but just imagine Um, if they'd been i mean this episode feels if they actually pulled it off yeah but the episode feels huge it feels like it should have played out over some time like they should have started here and then kept going and kept going you know for for a bit and maybe it should have been uh, a finale. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like I said, they that very end where Data is like uh, they sent a signal, and then the last shot is you see this picture of a distant galaxy and the sound of like a transmission, and it's like that would have been a really cool thing to end the season on, like this scary sort of looming threat. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, since they never come back, it's a moot point anyway. And it's strange to me if I, I assume there must be some novel or some comic or something that that brings this back but it's just strange that it never they do they do they do come back in a uh a couple comics and books apparently ah well see that that's at Uh, least something um, because it feels like a huge actually they actually come back in a ds9 novel about dax okay apparently so i I, you know that could be an interesting that could be an interesting thematic tie like between you know the trill who are sort of benign parasites well, they discover that these parasites are closely related to the trill. Well, so there you right. go. That wouldn't be terrible um, if, if it was handled right. Um, <laughs> you correctly pointed out that Pacifica, just the oh. planet that everyone makes a huge deal about, just won't shut up about. Like, really, I've never heard of it before. Yeah, and they they talk. It's the jewel of the galaxy. Uh huh. No, I just and and the thing that bugs me. Well, not really bugs me, but the thing that I've noticed, it feels like a a lazy writing thing because they just keep doing it every week they're on their way to show or leave and they get distracted <laughs> i know i feel you know, they're blue balled like yeah exactly when are we gonna come on because shore leave means six y- months you know yeah you know i get to come on i'm right <laughs> uh and and uh the I'm, li- ri- I'm riker 
<laughs> you know what I want. <laughs> that's all the explanation you need. I'm Riker. Uh, and for, uh, this just in from the late Matt Robotham, um, his good thing, the overall idea of this episode is great as a horror buff. It really grabbed my attention. The execution wasn't perfect, but I loved this one, he says. Of course he did. Uh, and, and the bad thing was the puppet effects are pretty bad. <laughs> that uh, it's it doesn't get really bad until that last shot is yeah. just oof it's 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 like an armor shot it is really just aggravating it is uh, i will say the production value overall on this one apart from those last few things which at least they were trying something new but the production value overall felt a little higher it felt like they you know they knew this was yeah. kind of a big important episode and part i often felt like i wasn't watching a season one episode which is the, i think the highest compliment i can give <laughs> felt like this could have been like late season two, maybe. And, you know, I'm going to go back to the beginning. I, I, I talked about it in my review, but it needs to be reiterated. Much like um, you had mentioned how Kirk was off the bridge. Mm-hmm. People would just hang out and kind of have fun. Yep. That's exactly how this crew is. And it really does feel like when Jordy is telling Data this joke at the very beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, well, other than the, the laugh, which we have varying opinions on. <laughs> um they, they they got to a shot then of Troy sitting beside Riker, and it's just such a mom and dad like, yeah, it really oh, is. aren't we having fun with our kids? Those boys. It's so strange, but it's so it's like it's much more relaxed, yeah, and totally le- like less rigid by far than it is when Picard's on. And the I'm deck. I'm sure that's deliberate because that ties into a thread that goes through the whole series and pays off in the finale, which is they have their casual poker games when they're off duty, and Picard's too stiff and you know formal to ever like have fun with them right and that doesn't pay off until the very last scene of the very last you know episode spoilers i guess i don't i don't i feel like the spoiler thing needs to go away it's a fucking you know 20 year old show 25 i don't know <laughs> um might spoil it for some i mean but that's not really <laughs> spoilers al yeah, I, okay, fine. Spoilers, sure. I'll put <laughs> I'll put the spoiler tag. My 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 uh, voice is hidden in that part, and you can click on it to. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, the planet is okay. Uh, Net Planet Netflix or wherever <laughs> they go is okay. Um, the cave, it's a cave. Well, it sure yeah. is. It sure is a cave. Yeah, who says that it isn't? But it, it it's better. Like like it's way better than Planet Fern Jungle because oh, God, it, at least at least they're trying something here, and like it kind of makes sense that they would be meeting in like an abandoned mine because that way it feels at least a little bit more secure, maybe. Yeah. Even though it might cave in, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I thought uh, let, let's talk about that laugh scene. There's we cut to the bridge, and it's that that tried and true sort of hacky. You know, cut into the last line of a joke that you couldn't possibly imagine what the rest of the joke is, you know. And then I said, the Ferengi can stay, but uh, that's actually one that they did. Um, but, you know, and then Jordy's laughing and then Data does a forced fake laugh, which you didn't like, but I actually... Spiner, I thought, is just some of his nice sort of deadpan, his face doesn't change expression at all, but he's making the noise of a laugh and it's just kind of creepy. He's trying to be human. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he sure is. But see, I can relate because that's how I feel when people tell me jokes. Like, my first reaction is <laughs> the comedic composition of that is certainly admirable, and that is quite a humorous joke. Oh, wait. Uh-huh. Hum- humans laugh. I guess I better pretend to laugh now. <laughs> that's a real thing that happens to me. Uh, that's scary. But they, kind but, of sad. 
But then, they, well, yeah, that, that's what it's like to be me, Adrian. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've, I'm already sick of this joke, and I know it's not going to go anywhere. I know it's going to stick around. The, the whole data reading off a list of things and people cutting them off after the second one. And then the computer, as you pointed out, does it. And it's like, that's the worst. That makes no sense. Why is the computer losing patience? I love it. The, the computer just gets annoyed with data. and I don't <laughs> understand how that's even possible. No. I mean, data is the one that's supposed to simulate human emotions, even if he doesn't have them. The computer is not even built to do that. No sense whatsoever. Um, Are you trying to make some sense? Well, I know. I'm, I'm crazy like that. Um, you also pointed out that um, Beverly actually had a, an ass-kicky moment for a change. She so rarely that, that, Well, like, I love Riker getting beat up by an old man yeah. and the – and the leg, leg up Riker, but like without a table, so he just has to throw the other foot up in the air. Do <laughs> he does the great two, jump, the two foot kick. Yeah, and that doesn't do anything. Nope. No, because the uh, the the alien bugs they like stimulate your adrenal gland, and you have crazy. You know, it's like PCP. It's like yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, and then like we when you're watching that episode, and Jordy and Worf will rush in, which is <laughs> you know, the established security team of Jordy and Worf. Yeah, of course. Um, the and, scrawny nerd, and like right before it cuts to commercial break, like you see Worf looking like, "Oh, I'm totally throwing down with you." Oh, he's crouching down, and he's got that look like, "Oh, good, a fight finally." You know, because he's just threw Jordy through a door and stuff, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna go, it's gonna happen." And then right away, Worf just gets yeah. kicked the crap out of. Him. <laughs> yeah, and I wish that w- that wouldn't keep happening, but it does. But Dorn still, you know, he plays that great that moment of anticipation that I'm a warrior and I finally get to fight something. This is awesome. And then and then you have the the phaser blast and you're like, oh, Jordy must have gotten back up and gotten the upper hand. Yep. And no, it pans over and it's uh, Crusher who she not only she knows who this guy she knows who the rear admiral is. As yep. I recall, they're friends, like or at least they're, they're her her, her ex husband or no, that was a, that, that was a different guy. Or is that there was that was Walker? That yeah. was Walker. But like she knows who this is. No, like, he was on the walking. ship a few weeks ago, and yeah. and yeah, she's met him. And she doesn't even hesitate. And nope. like she even says to, that she had it set to kill. Yep. Like which makes it even awesome. Like finally, a great moment for this character where she doesn't hesitate at all. She sees that her crew is in trouble, and she takes action. Yeah. So far this season, she's been either a hysterical mom or a completely ineffectual doctor. And it's nice to see her as part of the crew, defending her crewmates and just being a badass. It was. It's so rare from her. And unfortunately, it's so rare in the coming seasons where the most notable thing she does is fuck a ghost. But, <laughs> but that's, that's for later. Oh, uh, I love it. I suppose we should talk about them eating bugs or worms, I guess they were. Uh, it's so – it's I love, I love the looks on the faces of the guys who mm, are just Bugs. Like, let's eat. Yeah, let's eat. Like, Tuck in. And this is part of this is part of the aliens' plan. Is they know Picard is not one of them. No, this is like, this oh, weird you'll thing. be you you will be fine. You will be you will like it after a while. And they completely just reveal their entire plan to him while he's still unconverted. While they haven't stuck a you know a bug There's in like, yet. That's that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Whatever. He'll get there. And they even explain it. Like the the writer feels like they need to explain it, so they say, "Uh, well, you your race likes drama, so do we. We love the drama of showing off in front of you." Like, <laughs> God, terrible. Um, it does feel like a scene out of uh, Temple of Doom, though. It it totally did. I expected Picard to say we had bugs for lunch, but uh, not so yeah. much. Um. There's a couple of times, I think they say this like two different times, where they say, you'll be joining us soon. And that just got the cold Slither song stuck in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yeah, and now it's stuck in your head, so. Yeah, now it's there. Yep. Thank you. 
No problem. <laughs> um, but that's that's pretty much it. Like I say, I, I feel like this would have made a decent season finale if nothing else. But unfortunately, we got another one. Like it, it, a lot of it is them realizing what's really happening. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that that's the part I like. The part the leading up to like the resolution is stupid, but the whole solving the mystery and digging deeper and figuring out what's going on that part I really liked. Right, and not only does uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually hark on Beverly Crusher some more because not only does she actually kick some ass, she figures out what's happening. Yep, and then figures out a cure for it. Well, which, she figures she figures out a way for Riker to fake his way in and and help save well, the day. I, well, they well they well she cures the rear admiral as well. Oh, did she? I didn't. I wasn't yeah, sure if he when, died off hit, screen or if she. No, no, he's he's him. on the ship there, and hmm. she's doing examinations of, of of him after Niles melts. Oh, okay. Niles. Um. Yeah. So I mean, she actually not only comes up with she not only like comes up with a at the like at the last second save, but she actually does the thing which you know at least temporarily resolves the problem. Yeah. So so she's more the hero of this piece than probably anybody else. Which correct is so rare. Um. Speaking of crushers, this is the thing I need to address right now. This was my rule that I put forth that Matt and I both had to come up with a good thing for Wesley Crusher. Sometime during the season. Uh, he did it. Uh, I did not. And not because I couldn't find anything. There were actually a few episodes where I thought he did something good. And I just forgot that I'd set that rule. And now I'm like, okay, I'll do it this week. I'll, I'll save it at the end and I'll do something. Uh, yeah, Will Wheaton wasn't in either of these episodes. <laughs> so all I can say is backtracking to coming of age. There were a lot of great Wesley moments in there. That was actually a good Wesley episode. And I hope that counts. And it probably doesn't. But it's too late now. Uh, poor Al. Do you need a hug? That's probably well, off on. You. I mean, I did just lose my co-host, Adrian. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty flummoxed as it is. So, yeah. Well, he and Gene Wilder and all the others <laughs> are dancing in heaven. I, I which, which they don't true. believe in. <laughs> right. Um, you got anything else? Are you ready to press? On? Uh, yeah. There's a couple other things. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, you you pointed out when we're <laughs> that the the Horatio. Mm-hmm. is destroyed and no one comes to look at it. No, it's just like Picard and Riker are the only ones who are trying to figure out what happened and it seems like there should be a swarm of Starfleet guys saying, well, "We just lost a ship. What the fuck?" Right. And like there's so many like things that just feel like there's no protocol in Starfleet in this episode. No, like and, and the whole They come back they come back they come back to Earth because yeah, they and there's nobody giving them orders that say they can't go back to Earth, I guess, and there's no and when they get to Earth it's like there's no ships, there's no Star bases, it just the whole path between where that ship blew up and Earth feels empty, which is weird. I don't know. It feels like there should be stuff and people and things. Well, and then to knock Beverly down a post, and also with the lack of protocol, like uh, the rear admiral takes aboard one of those parasites, and there's no, and like he even just he tells Riker that this is for Beverly. Yeah, I brought. I'm going to use it to take her over, and there's no quarantine whatsoever. Well, and. While maybe that should be coordinated through her, if nothing else, whoever's doing O'Brien's job, whoever's the transporter chief right now, should have spotted there's actually two life forms on the pad and not one. And that's where it yeah, should have started. No, definitely. That guy dropped the ball, whoever that is. Well, we don't have O'Brien in there, so I guess. Yeah, O'Brien never would have stood for that shit. He would have been like, what's that bug there? I can't do an O'Brien voice. <laughs> that's why That's why I brought it up I just wanted to see you try I, I'd have to listen to him I might be able to do a passable one but I don't even remember what he sounds like at the moment hard so. it's hard yeah. I'm O'Brien <laughs> I'm drink some whiskey and beat me horrible wife there we go 
that's right. that sounds exactly like him. Yeah, I don't see. Uh, Oh, they're always trying to get me lucky charms. Well, at, at least according to Star Trek, because right. their feelings on the, and that's something else we can look forward to. And I think season two doesn't that yes. have that Irish episode? In fact, our friend Irish Gav will be joining us for that very episode. Oh, it! If you guys think that Star Trek now that twenty years later doesn't hate the Irish anymore, guess again. Yep, they never <laughs> stop. Oh, it's so good! I can't wait. Uh, anything else? Uh in the words of Matt, nope. I think we're done here. Very well. On to the neutral zone, which fortunately we have a um, a summary left to us, bequeathed to us in Matt's will. And uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll play that for you here now. Hello, post-Tomacore listeners. Matt here. If you're hearing this, then I am dead. Unfortunately, due to a contract that Al made me sign when we were starting this show, uh, I, am un- I am forced to do one last episode before I pass off into the great beyond and am re- replaced by Flonk. So, let's do a review of Conspiracy. Excuse me, let's do an episode of The Neutral Zone. Conspiracy was one I actually enjoyed. Alright. So while Picard is in negotiations with something or other, Data decides to go exploring on an abandoned space station that's plunging into some sun or something. Data and Worf go visiting and find a bunch of dudes frozen in cryogenic chambers. Luckily, none of them is the former ruler of most of the civilized world and one of the most horrible dictators to ever exist on Earth. Unfortunately, one of them is a country and western singer, so stranding him on a planet likely to, likely to explode isn't an entirely bad idea. Picard and the rest of the bridge crew are decidedly high-strung, and rightly so. Colonies are disappearing, apparently scooped out of the Earth of the, from planets that are bordering the neutral zone. And Picard is worried that the Romulans might be involved. And... That's kind of it. Uh, we spend most of the episode with the with the guys in the past while they learn about our awesome modern technology. Eventually, a Romulan warbird looking completely fucking badass appears and sort of sits out there in space. Picard eventually contacts it and meets the two Romulan leader guys who sit next to each other looking smug like Tomax and Zaymont and then proclaim the Romulan race to be back. Ooh. The end. Seriously. We never find out what's doing the scooping, and the past people are shuttled off to, for home after Troy makes the lady feel better about her dead kids or something. It's like they took two almost decent episodes and just shoved them together, leading to literally nothing at all happening. Boo! Boo on this episode! So, yeah, that's what Matt had to say. Wow. It's so nice to hear. It's it's kind of creepy to hear his voice from the grave, you it's, know? It's too soon. It really is too soon. I just... It's, uh, it's never like, forget... Well, I mean, and I really wish he had recorded one of those Tasha Yar, you know, um, Al eulogies. All, <laughs> yeah, just talks about how great of friends you are and how you have to look to yourself. Yeah, and and for guests that maybe we don't have on as often. I mean, this is your first time, but you've been on our other show. But you know, people maybe he doesn't know so well. He'll just give those generic like your strength comes from within. Yeah, and for you, she could he could have told you how you're becoming human every day. <laughs> Or no, he would say, uh, "I, I can't. I'm it's too bad. I'm, I won't be there to see the man that you'll become." <laughs> That's so creepy. Yes, <laughs> uh, and we have Matt's good thing, bad thing on a on a recording, which I will now play. And just so I can't be described as doing nothing, uh, my good thing is, look, there's a lot to like about this episode. The guys from the past, especially the cowboy dude, are a lot of fun. I liked watching them play off of the uh, the <laughs> the rest of the crew, especially Southern Guy and Data, who became the best friends ever. And uh, the Romulans finally showing up again. That's a pretty big deal. Except that bad. Th- except that my bad thing is that it's not. 
Instead, we just literally have the Romulans show up, say they're back, and then nothing. This episode doesn't even end with a bang. I seriously thought there was like 10, 10 minutes left to it, and it just ended. I'm like, oh, good, the episode's going to get really good now. Oh, executive producer Gene Roddenberry. Well, go fuck yourself. And I, in fact, I don't disagree with, with either of his points. Um, they did sort no. of ha- set up the great thing with the Romulans, and then it was nothing. It just completely didn't happen. It just, yeah, and watching it again, I didn't hate it as much the second time because no, you I did think... point out a couple of good, better things in the episode, but it's still a really not good episode overall. I in, Well, here's here's my good thing was if you get past the smugness, I like the core idea. I like the idea of thawing people out from the 20th century and, and showing them around the future. Like it's a nice gateway to the world that they've created. I feel like this would have been a decent idea to do, not the Romulan part, just the, the thawing the people out part. As like maybe the second episode after Farpoint, sort of yeah. uh, introduce the audience to the to the wider world through the eyes of someone from now, without the smugness, of course. I mean, the smugness is just. Well, I think that would have worked better with Picard's character there, but yeah, like, that's true. But you know, as as you pointed out, Picard has always had some level. Well, go ahead and finish your bad thing. I guess I well, I I had a couple of bad things. There's um, I would have liked it better if it had been done well. I also think conspiracy yeah. would have made a much better finale. But my my biggest bad thing was Picard was almost completely out of character in his flippant insistence that we just leave these people for dead. Mm-hmm. Like, they're already dead. Leave them. Let's go. And then when they revived, like, I don't want anything to do with them. You people take care of this. Oh, I don't care about that. I have neutral zone things to worry about. Which is fine, but you're racing toward the neutral zone. You're not there yet. So you have a minute. Yeah. Go and say it, hi. It, I'm it, the it, captain. I'm, I'm yeah, sure you're all Introduce yourself. Yeah. You know? But no. And of course, the first thing that they see, they put Worf there. So the first thing they see when they wake up is this creepy alien. And they play the stupid xylophone woodblock or whatever. Oh, it's so corny. Yeah. And then she does the the comedic faint. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, I've, I've been alive for 37 years and I've never once seen a person do that. I'm pretty sure it only happens on TV. And unfortunately, this is the best little bit of acting that she does because it's all downhill from there. No, the weird thing is you got three survivors. You got three humans revived from the 20th century. You got the the ridiculous banker who thinks he's better than everyone. The 1%, yeah. let's call him. Um, you got the, the <laughs> homemaker who's only, as you pointed out, there's a one-sentence characteristic and they never expand her beyond that, which is... Well, not as there one in one sentence of characteristic. Her characteristic is that she vicariously like she loves her child. Like she, it's not about her. Like a, a, she is a mom. An adjec- yeah, it's not an adjective about her. No, it's it, more of something else that she does. It's a support role for someone else. Yeah. Like I like I love in movies when it's like there's James. James is a strong, independent guy. Tori. Tori likes James. Like that's I love that because it's just like this this woman and they do it a lot with women characters. Oh yeah, and there's no um, other characteristic about her except that. Like she likes James. Like that's her yeah. characteristic, and yep. so she must be insane in love with him. You yeah. know, I hate that. She has no other interests or you know anything. It's just that. Yeah, and, and then, then there's the third one. Who is the the crazy um like <laughs> he was drug. actually a, yeah he was a drug addict, and oddly enough the drug addict handles the situation the best. He's just like yep. I'm in the future. That's cool. That's pretty cool. And he's I like, don't like the guitar twanging at the beginning. Yeah, but they, they have a terrible a while, music he, for him. I, I think if he, I think if they had played it a little softer and then used it later, I'd have been okay because he eventually wins you over because he's he's kind of he's actually likable. Well, the actor's pretty likable, and it's 
thank God it's a it's not a fake. I think it's a Texas accent. It's like a genuine. That's what he really talks like. Right. Either that or it's it's a good enough fake that I couldn't tell. But it didn't sound like somebody's bad attempt at doing a southern accent. Yeah, at no point was he like, "Howdy, y'all." Yeah, like, it wasn't it wasn't corny sort of Green Acre sort of stuff. Yeah, um, but he had some weird quirky things that he said, but that kind of added flavor to the character. I thought you felt like it wasn't from the script. Probably it's probably how he legitimately could be. Talked. But I, I just, I liked it. It's odd between the three of them, between the homemaker woman who's only a mom and the, the powerful banker and then this the drug addict, I guess, I would assume a country star. They didn't specifically say that, but I assume a country star. Yeah. Uh, musician who was a drug addict who froze himself because his liver failed. I, you would think he would be the most annoying and he was, like we said, the most charming and the most accepting of what's going on. And it was like, what was the, he had a folksy line that was actually pretty cool. was like, uh, uh, yeah, it's the same dance, just a different tune. Yeah. Which is, you know, the sentiment behind that was like, yeah, life, you know, life's going to go on and I'll adapt and everything. will be fine. Like that was all right. But, um, yeah. Then there's the whole other plot of the Romulans, which just doesn't fit at all. So like, I get, I, I get what they're trying to do. Is like, oh, we, we can even take a 20th century mentality and it, it, if you, past man does have something to offer us. But at the same time, it just doesn't work here. No, and see, I like when they do. I don't always like it. Sometimes it feels forced. Sometimes it feels like they had two halves of a script and then just glued them together. But sometimes I like when there's two completely unrelated things going on just because this is a ship full of over a thousand people and not everything that happens is going to, you know, affect everyone. Like, I like the idea that while Jordy's over here doing this, Riker's over here doing this. And yeah. when when they do it well, that can be cool with an A, a story and a B story and sometimes even a C story. And then they can sort of loosely thematically tie them together or something. But here it just didn't work. It felt like two completely unrelated episodes that were glued together. Yeah. My, uh, my good thing was Romulans are back. Yeah. Federation showdown. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then they don't even show up till like, and the bad thing is they don't even show up till the last the act, fi- the fifth act. Yeah, and the majority of the episode is spent discussing how great Future Man is and how lame Twentieth Century Man is. No, this this could have played out if you just focused on the Romulan plot. This could have played out like those old episodes that we particularly liked of of the original series, like the Corbomite Maneuver, or like um, the first appearance of the Romulans, which I am now drawing a blank on, where they had the cloaking device. I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm really bad with titles. I I usually remember this one and and I've forgotten, but it's it's uh, the, the Mark Lennard, uh, the guy who played Sarek, played the Romulan commander, and that was another. Okay, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, now. where it's mostly tense. It's like, what are they going to do next? They're blowing up our colonies. What's going to happen? And it's like a chess match, and it's very cool, and everybody's right, and, scared. You know, and, it's happening again. You know, you yeah. have these colonies that are blowing up, and last time it was the Romulans. We have to assume it was it's them again. Yeah. And what's cool, it doesn't really come through in this. It's kind of lame, and you don't really know what happened. This eventually will pay off. These colonies that are being scooped up and completely obliterated, it's actually being done by the Borg. And when we find more out about the Borg, they'll, be, they'll mention it. They'll, they'll go back to this, and they'll say, uh, yeah, it was happening along the neutral zone to us and to the Romulans, and it's them. They're assimilating whole colonies. All right. Which is cool because... I just assume, I mean, we'll, we'll know from Voyager that this isn't true because Voyager ruins everything. But <laughs> I like to think that way, wherever the Borg come from, they're assimilating weird things that don't look anything like us. And the reason they now have yeah. humans is because they were attacking our colonies. Yeah, they just happen to be like, because I, I, you don't really see that many 
Borg aliens for whatever reason. Yeah, and it seems like they should be assimilating everything. That's the whole point is they, they yeah, want to absorb everybody. But eh, whatever. This this at least starts to hint at them and some bigger thing that would threaten everybody later on, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. To go back to the beginning of the episode when mm-hmm. Worf and Data go to the ship in the first place. Yeah. Uh, they're shooting people into space that are frozen because I don't get that, but it keeps happening. We keep running <laughs> into these probes in deep space where someone in the past decided it would be a good idea to freeze their body and then shoot it into space. Now, okay, they don't have money in the future, but they did have money at the time, obviously, because that banker man wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> it must cost tons of fucking money to do that. To preserve yourself to the point where you might be possibly revived, and then that's to, what I'm assuming. Like, it, yeah. not only are we doing the cryonics, but you're also doing the SpaceX, like the the, the spaceship. Yeah. And they tried to smooth over that in some dialogue by saying, "Oh, it's because some of the early cryonics labs lost power, and shooting them in space and having solar stuff meant that they would never have brownouts, and you you stay preserved that way." That and, just that's eh. that's even more money. Yeah. And not even that. I mean, we have this one, the woman, the homemade, the lady, I love my kid. I love Tommy. Uh Uh-huh. Tell the computer to look for Tommy. And that's a line in the episode. That is a line. Oh, it's so accurate. What can you tell me about your son? Well, his name is Tommy. Oh, well, that's all we need. That's another defining characteristic. His name is Tommy. We have the best search engines in the universe because all you have to say is Tommy and the computer will figure out the rest. But uh, she is frozen beyond her will. Yeah, she's totally freeze-raped. She's totally like her her now-dead husband decided it would be a good idea against her will to force cryonic preservation on her. What the fuck? I know. And, like, I feel like if Tasha wasn't dead, they'd have a lot of good stories to tell one another. But, <laughs> I mean, like, that's just – that that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, the other two, it's like, yeah, I was a drug addict and I just wanted to go to the future. The other guy is like well, – Plus, I they were both rich. Yeah, and I want the other guy's like I want to be cured of my disease, and the third lady is just like I'm a poor homemaker. Yep, who was freeze raped because <laughs> I have you you coined this term and I hate it, but I, there's no other way of really I, listen. It. I don't really generally prefer the 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 casual use of the word rape to describe any particular. No, I know, thing. but I mean, but that's exactly. But she was what assaulted. It she was forced upon her against her will. Yeah, no, that's it. Doesn't make any sense at all, and and I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't get. I do like. I mean, this is sort Matt, of a. Matt had a good. No, Matt had a good note here What's saying. Uh, pretty sure the lady, uh, the lady in question, goes on to play Tasha's Yar's sister, Natasha Yar. <laughs> no, Natasha was actually Tasha's full name in the first place. It's like. I I think that was just a joke. Yeah, I, I figured as much. I don't know. These are all the leavings of a dead man. So I it's it's like you know looking for Tommy in a in a universe <laughs> having to figure this all Computer, out. Computer, can you tell me what happened to Matt? Yeah, it's it's just sad. I don't know. I, it's a, it's sort of a sci-fi mainstay to do the chronically preserved, w- awoken in a strange future and not knowing what's going on story. I like that if it's done right, and here it's just not, but it could be. Yeah, and like it wasn't – if they had written the characters at least – you know, I understand if they would be surprised by some things not being the same. Yeah, but, but like the banker was again. willfully ignorant to it. Yeah, they've clearly been on the ship for a week, and he's still like, I need my broker. I need my Wall Street Journal. Ah, still? Yeah, and no and like he, he's like, I'll, I'll have you talked to my lawyer, his law firm. I am, I guarantee. He says, I personally guarantee it's still around. How do you know this? Yeah, you must be prepared for the fact that there, some things may have changed in your absence. 
I mean, it's like I haven't been to my hometown in like five years. If I went back there, I wouldn't assume anything was still there, and that's five years. Yeah, no. Three hundred? I can't imagine. Yeah, and you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of smugness there, but I mean, oh, some God. of it is righteous. Well, there's so much we don't have money anymore. We don't like the acquisition of things anymore. We don't like, ugh, shut up. Yeah, I mean, and some of it's, like, at this point, some of it is deserved because at this point, Picard is fed up. Well, yeah. And and as you mentioned, um, because smug banker guy calls the bridge. Oh, which God. is really strange. No, no, no. He calls and, the ready room when they're having a really intense discussion. Oh, no, you're right. They're actually next. He's calling the – that's right. Which is even worse in a way because they're in a, a very important meeting to decide what's going to happen next in this yeah, incredibly tense situation. Whether or not blow up the Romulans yeah. they show basically. And then this guy's like, I demand to talk to your supervisor. And uh, as you pointed out, like while this guy is ranting, Picard just shows up at his door. <laughs> he just left the phone off the hook. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a nice comedy moment because he's still yelling and Picard like – Almost taps him on the. It's not quite that broad, but he almost yeah, like taps him on the shoulder. Like, were you talking to me? Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, no, it, it, like so many things, a weak script can still be almost salvaged by Patrick Stewart because he'll take any crumb and try to make it into something decent. Yeah, definitely. And there's a couple of moments where he's, you know, he's not that bad. Um, we get the ex- explanation of what a um replicator is for like the third time which i know you're okay with it it just it does annoy me a little bit because it's like after the first time when it's explained to the audience we don't need to see it explained re-explained to every character who that's... I, see the thing is we've had a replicator like the replicator i assumed was there from day one and it wasn't there until maybe three episodes ago right so well, at least that we were aware of right because well though no, they did have a cook didn't they uh i don't know they may have well, I, I, I don't they may know. have i don't know yeah yeah, who knows? <laughs> Somebody knows, probably. Um, but no, I do like that he, the guy, do, does or alcohol because this is the first like because he until, starts like, ordering a steak and then he's like, no, nah, give me a martini instead, like traditional alcohol because we've had Tranya and like yeah. the space alcohol and ale. In, yeah. consp- in conspiracy and stuff. Yeah. But this is like the first time we see a like something that I I'm like I know what a martini yeah, is. Yeah, traditional drink from our time. Yeah, yeah. And at and least I, at least the replicator hasn't deleted that pattern. At least martinis survive into the future, if nothing else. Phew. So uh, I don't apple teenies. I don't know. It feels like a fad to me, but uh, who knows? Hopefully, when that you know, yeah, that's a good point. We'll see after after the war, everything will. Yeah, everything's going to change. That's the thing, and that's an interesting thing too. I'm surprised they didn't bring back that line from Farpoint, where he says, "My lawyer or his firm." Uh, Q actually said they killed all the lawyers. Yeah, I thought that was more of a joke, but I think I, I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't tell if it was serious or a joke. No, I don't think that it was. I, the way I read that scene was they really did kill all the lawyers. <laughs> I don't think they were capable of subtle humor in Farpoint. I think Star Trek's never been great at that, but especially in the pilot for Next Gen season one, I don't think yeah. they were capable of that kind of subtlety yet. Um, the the thing that really got me about these guys overall. This feels like the exact opposite of Star Trek IV, where you take future guys and yeah. put them in the 80s and fish out of water. Instead, you're taking guys from the 80s and putting them in the future for fish out of water, and I don't think it works nearly as well. Because seeing no. the reactions of total strangers is not as funny as seeing the reactions of characters you're familiar with. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and, you know, uh, but, you know, we did get Ralph out of it. <laughs> That's true. He was the special guest star of the episode. Yeah, so. the, the credits at the beginning made a point of saying, "And this guy as Ralph," and we're like, "Ooh, Ralph's gonna be in this." 
And then he was sure he sure was. <laughs> There's Ralph. All right. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's weird to me that it takes them two thirds of the episode. Like Picard, he first sends data in to talk to them and then he sends Riker. And then he finally says, Oh, wait a minute. This is supposed to be Troy's stupid crap. This is what she does. This is what she's for. <laughs> yeah. Why did it take him so long to figure that out? And Matt has this written down here, but of course, uh, you know, the woman is crying. Mm-hmm. And what is Troy's first comment? You're feeling profoundly sad. I sense that you're sad. Wow. And as he says, ooh, good catch. Well, that's, you know, that's standard. Good good job, Troy, as always, to figure out exactly what somebody's doing because you can see it. With your special senses. or Like your eyes. Look, (laughs) no, she doesn't even need eyes. I bet Jordy would know she's sad. Yeah, but I don't think Jordy would be able to tell Picard that because he'd be too busy telling him to, like, look around at everything. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, how do your eyes work? That's just She's crying, Captain! <laughs> um, so back to the Romulan thing. You get the the first appearance of the Romulan warbird, which looks awesome. That's a great design for a ship. I love it. It's my favorite It's my favorite ship of Star Trek, I, honestly. I think, it the, the it, you know, it's called Warbird. It has that bird-like beak there at the end it just looks powerful it looks dominating and and as you pointed out which i really from razor didn't notice the scale of the ship no i didn't notice it either until massive. this episode i used to think they were roughly the same size but it was it could have been a per- weird perspective thing that wasn't coming off but it looked about five times the size of the enterprise right and that's just a massive ship yeah i mean the enterprise is not small so that's, you know, that's cool. But the, the Romulans appear, and uh, one of them is uh, Mark, I think, Alimo is how it's pronounced, the guy who played Gul Dukat. And he has, mm-hmm. for my money, uh, apart from maybe Jeffrey Coombs, who played uh, Wayun, one of the best villain voices of, like, anybody in Star Trek ever. And that as soon as I heard the voice, I immediately, oh, that's him. Yeah, and it's... It's a good scene, and um, yeah, it should have just been followed, as Matt pointed out, may he rest in peace, by something much bigger. You know, like then what? It shouldn't have just stopped. Yeah, it really should have gone on to something else, but it it didn't. Um, and and then, as Matt also said, these the Romulans were like the twins in The Shining, or Tomax and Zamot. Yeah, a bit a bit like that. It was weird to see them sitting there, and because the the Romulan makeup just makes them look all the same. Yeah, that makes it a bit more unsettling. I do like, like I, uh, like I had mentioned. Well, well, like the audience knows this. When we were watching it, um, that the when when the, I don't remember Ducat. We'll just call him Ducat because mm-hmm. I just assume it is Ducat. Sure. Um, even though it's clearly not, but whatever. Um, he snaps at Worf, and like oh, Worf had already, even though he do, he had done some clunky exposition about why he doesn't like them, but the sentiment behind it is Worf's already pissed because they're Romulans. No, and it's important for us, the audience, to understand that the Klingons and Romulans are now bitter enemies because actually during the original series, they were allies. They had had teamed up. That's why they both had the same ships, which is really a cost-saving thing, but what they said was they were were allied, and we didn't know to this point that they hated each other, and so it's good for him to point that out. Yeah, and, you know, it's a bit clunky, but the overall sentiment is fine. Well, it's because he relaunches into a two-paragraph thing about how they murdered my parents and they pretended to be our friends, blah, blah, blah. They could have handled it better. But you're right, the, the emotional content of that was great. And, like, and, and, and he says, he makes the comment that's just sort of a snide Klingon comment, and the Romulan bites his head off. Oh, yeah. And Picard doesn't, but, and, but, and, and it's a great little thing because you're like, 
it ratchets up the tension a notch. And instead of saying like Worf get off the bridge or something, Picard does the right thing uh, as you as as which is surprising because in this episode he doesn't seem to be in character. No, but uh, the, he just the, says the Romulan. The Romulan half of the story, he's totally in character. It's, it's yeah, the other. And thing. he says, you know, like no, I'm going to. I'm going to allow Worf to say whatever he wants to you. Yeah. Like, and I think that's a really brave moment, especially in this, these people that you haven't seen in however many hundreds well, of years. Especially since it's, I think it's like 50 some years, but it's still enough that, you know, nobody living on the ship would have met a Romulan before. Um, right. But yeah, it's and and the actual line is something like silence your dog. And it's like, Whoa, yeah. shit. <laughs> that's, no, that's these guys are serious. Hardcore. Yeah. No. And it's great because you really, it's maybe not the best diplomatic move because everyone's like everyone wants to take the Kirk approach. Everyone's like, we have one second when they decloak where we can shoot them. We should shoot them. And Picard's like, no, we should talk to them first. And we're yeah, finally I, starting to see what why Picard's way is different and better. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's necessarily well, it is better, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's, Kirk was always shooting at stuff first and never as tried much to as I do like Kirk. I mean, how many planets did he leave behind in complete? Oh, I know that or just not even try to communicate with an alien, just blow it up. That's just his style. It, a, a gaseous cloud that's sentient, kill it. Yep. But I mean, um, but, but the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Riker the, and Worf are definitely kirking it up here, though. They're yeah. just like, we need, like, Worf's like, we need to shoot them. And Riker, Riker surprisingly, is like, we have like one second. Well, yeah, because Worf always says we need to shoot it, and you just kind of shrug that off. Of course you're saying Because he's that. a Klingon. Yeah. yeah. Well, not well, only not, that, but not, because he's Not Worf. because he's Klingon, but he's Worf. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But it surprised me to hear Riker say it because I thought Riker would take a much more diplomatic uh, – because he seems like a much cooler guy. Yeah, but he's probably but, read all the old Kirk stuff and he's like, these guys are these guys are hardcore. We better take our shot. And Picard doesn't and he yeah. diplomatically figures this problem out. Well, this is a thing I think they completely fumbled in the pilot, which uh, Matt pointed out. The uh, first thing we see Picard do is surrender, which is really <laughs> off on the bad foot. <laughs> We see Q's horrible CG net, and then we see Picard saying, we surrender. And it's like, Jesus, this guy is so not Kirk. But now yeah. we're at the other end, and we're they're finally getting a feel. They need to show us how he's different, but not make him a wuss. And I think right. this episode did that effectively, whereas Farpoint did not. You're definitely right about that, because it definitely shows us that yeah, he's not a wuss. He will not stand down, but it also he's not gonna he's not gonna punch you in the face over it. He's no, gonna figure out a way to do this the right way. The diplomat who is willing to talk first, but is also willing to shoot if things get to that, is it's not real easy to write at first, but it seems like they're finally starting to find their way with him, and that's what he's gonna be like going forward, which is good. Right, and which which eventually as well makes any sort of uh violence from him even more surprising. Exactly, and that's you know, that's why some of the most emotional moments of this show are when he's been pushed too far and he's finally like, fuck it, shoot. Well, and it him. also makes – it also is all – yeah, exactly. And it also sets up for brilliant stuff in DS9. Oh, yeah. Right away because uh, as Q says um, – Oh, yeah, when Cisco hit hits me him. Yeah. In the, very, in the very first appearance of Q, which is like the second episode, I think. Yeah, it was really good. And he goes, Picard, Picard never hit me in uh, his – I'm not Picard. He's, I'm not Jean-Luc. Yeah. So – uh, any anything else? Any further points? Um, yeah, I had a couple other things that Matt, just for his sake, you know, I uh, miss him. And he, yeah, absolutely. No, we feel like we should honor his memory by um, by by bringing in his. Uh, points he points he out got. about how bad the security team is on the bridge. Well, yeah, they tell they tell the card says get that guy off my bridge. The, oh, the rich well, guy. Well, real quick, oh, the, the, the one. Yeah, well, no, just to remind, like the hill, the uh, banker somehow gets on the bridge. 
Well, he just walks in the turbo lift and eventually figures out that Picard's on the bridge and says, yeah, take me there. Yeah, and just waltzes up to the bridge, which is not locked down, even though they're about to... No, and they they end. clearly showed that Picard didn't want to go to Red Alert, but they are at Yellow Alert, which should mean something. It should mean not any asshole can just wander onto the bridge. Right, and then he does, and then he proceeds to get manhandled, but not not get taken off the bridge. No, these two security guys show up, and I, I'm sure this was just a casting coincidence or whatever, but they just happen to be two black guys with giant afros, just a little... Oh, it's so good. It's just uh, it's weird whenever anyone like two of anything look exactly the same as like we were saying about the Romulans. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, and they just hold him near the turbo lift in the back, but he doesn't leave for another ten minutes. Like, well, get him out of here. I said, get him out of here. Yeah. No. And then he and then he gets a little line in there, which I guess is just to help everything tied. Um, gives no. That was actually a half decent moment where Picard's like, "You shut up!" But okay, you're right. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, it, it ties it all together, but it's like, why is he still there? Yeah. No, so, he definitely uh, shouldn't have been. That was weird. And other than that, you know, like I said, good to have Romulans back. I just wish it was a better episode. No, I, they should have done something rather than just announcing their presence and then buggering off. That felt a little weird, but... Yeah, Matt Matt was not happy about that. No. Uh, his comment is, wait, is it is this over? That's it? This whole episode is just... Hey, we're back. Wow. Never mind. That's super shitty. Fuck you. The neutral zone. That's like one and a half episodes. I don't. I don't. This is reading. The, figuring out what a dead man means is very difficult. No, I know. The scholars will be pouring over this for years. Trust me. This is this is fresh. It's too new. It's too, it's too early. We can't really say just yet. Um, but no, he's he's right. I always felt like overall, next gen had the chance to flesh out the Romulans and make them a proper threat. They were really well present in like season three, I think it is. And then they just kind of pop up occasionally and they were never as clearly defined as the Klingons or even the Borg right. or even the Ferengi. They just, they always felt like they should be this big threat, but they just were never given enough depth. I agree. And I, and it's disappointing. So I, I, we're trying to watch these as though we're going in fresh, but I know what's coming and I know, yeah, Romulan's a big deal, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating, yeah. But there's a run there, and th- I'm pretty sure it's season three, where there's like three or four really strong Romulan episodes, and then it just goes away. Yeah. It's really strange. But I think they were, I think basically the Romans were replaced by the Cardassians, I feel like. That could be. And the Cardassians show up earlier than you think, which is weird. But, uh, well, I mean, I, you know, I, just, I don't know if I'm right or not, but it just feels like that sort of, um, that mentality, that Romulan mentality is traded over to them. Yeah, that's true. The the, the sort of the cunning dip, uh, bureaucrats and the you know yeah you can't trust anything they say and yeah yeah that's probably true. Yeah, but at least Romulans are better bad guys than the Ferengi. No, we're on. We're definitely in a better place at the end of season one than we were at the beginning. Like they've definitely started seeing some of the faults and starting to correct them. Like whoa, we really misjudged that whole Ferengi thing. Let's try something else. Yeah. And the ship feels more like it feels more like the familiar Enterprise. Having Worf back there makes a huge difference. There were a couple of shots where it was Jordy and Data at the helm, and everybody sitting around, and it felt really cool. Yeah, I mean Jordy up there still doesn't quite feel right, but it's still it but almost it's cool feels to see like, the whole cast together. Yeah, you know? no, it definitely is. And you're right, moving him down to engineering puts one of the main cast sort of out. Of, I mean, Beverly's not usually up there either, but you know, who cares about her? Um, <laughs> And no, Wesley wasn't in either of these, as I said. But other than that, you know, you got the you got the guys we care about, which is nice. Uh, but no, having Worf back there, having Major Barrett as the permanent voice of the computer, which is a really minor thing, but it really makes a difference to me. When 
when people would say computer and you'd hear this weird voice like, yeah, working. Like, what? <laughs> hey, guys, can I be your computer now? No! Go, go hey, away, Armist. I'm Damn. working. I'm typing up the things now. <laughs> no. Hey, Daddy, you want to see an owl on the screen? No matches found. <laughs> 404 error. Data, you're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? Um, no, and I had a quick question. Did you want to maybe, I don't know if you want to wait for map, but did you want to go ahead and sum up season one since you're done with it? Uh, well, that's what we'll be doing next week. We're actually going to do our, our typical video summary. Oh, that's right. Oh, I, uh, are, are the shark is coming back? Yeah, I I mean, you know, Matt's gone, but the shark is still here, so we'll we'll push forward as best maybe we can. You can put, well, would it be awesome if Matt's ghost was somehow took the... Uh, inhabited the shark. <laughs> Life imitates terrible webcomic. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but Matt what has webcomic? oh, our, the webcomic that we did. The uh, that, that yeah, was the joke that nobody read. I know. Um, <laughs> Matt has uh, given us his quote, which here is him telling you what his quote is. And finally, here is my quote. So, uh, what's this neutral zone? It is a buffer between the Romulan Empire and the Federation. Why does that make me nervous? I do not know. Well, we won't be inviting these Romulans to our party, will we? No. That would not be appropriate. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go be dead. Goodbye. So, (laughs) that's a hilarious quote. And and, uh, I never actually did my quote. Oh, didn't you? Well, let's let's do that now then, won't we? Because it's not like you've done, like, 60 episodes of this. But. Well, it's certainly there's nothing different about this episode that would throw me off in any way. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Matt. I love uh, Slurpees in Canada. There you go. Um, and you have a, you have a giant my, white guy fro. There's You got that in common with Matt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, my quote comes from the very beginning of the episode. Like, eh, there are there some quotes here and there, but I don't know. I was just particularly charmed by this little uh, dialogue between Deanna and Worf at the very beginning of the episode. How about you, Mr. Worf? Swimming is too much like bathing. All right. <laughs> that Worf. Those uh. quotes really pack a punch. All right. Well, that that is it. That is all. As I said, next week we will be doing our video summary of Season 1. Adrian, definitely good to have you. We will have you back, or I will have you back. I keep saying we, just sort of reflexively, but I will definitely have you back on. This is a lot of fun, and... um we do have hey, one. F- tons of, hey, it was tons of fun, and I know I'm not the Star Trek master that you and some of your friends are, but it's it's fun, you know. Well, now I, I was. I've always I've always uh, liked it, but I've never been into it hardcore. So well, it's nor, kind of fun getting into it hardcore. We're, we're trying to. No, have yeah. Well, on. what I'm saying is, it's kind of fun getting into it again. Yeah. And really watching it from a, a, an older perspective, and really seeing a lot of the things come together. Yeah, and it's cool having the knowledge of where it's going to go and being, you know, like you say, having a bit of the yeah. historical perspective and all that. And I know we, I know you guys keep saying that, and I made a reference to that, but when it gets there, trust me, it's so worth the wait. Yeah, it is. It's so worth the wait. No, and, and next season, as I briefly said, there are some shining moments. There is the first truly great episode of, of Star Trek The Next Generation, which will probably make my top ten which is uh, Measure of a Man, where Data goes... I, I love that episode. Yeah, it's, it's the first the series' first truly great moment where it's not just like, okay, this is almost good. No, that's, that's just plain awesome, no qualification at all. Yeah. Almost there. Uh, and we do actually have this surviving recording of Matt saying his catchphrase one final time, so uh, 
Take us away, old buddy. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.